Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Feels like a new year, doesn't it, when you start back in September? Feels like that to me anyway. I suppose all my life I've been running on a sort of academic calendar. So September always feels like a, uh, a new season. And I hope you've had a restful summer. I hope you've managed to get um, some time to, um, to pause a little bit and to, uh, and to recover a little bit from the crazy life that we all seem to live. Um, we have been running a series uh, in the Bible all year called the Year of Biblical Literacy. We've uh, got pre- gone pretty much through the Old Testament and we're at the spot where we're ready to go into the New Testament. Um, and um, we had originally planned to do that now, but actually we want to pause on our New Testament um, series until October. So we're going to put the Biblical Literacy um, series off for a month. So if you haven't caught up yet, that's an extra month you've got to kind of you know, catch up. And, and the reason for that is because we don't just want to learn what the Bible is saying and how to understand it. We actually want to do what it says. And um, rather than push on with our New Testament series, we're pausing for a month because we want to take some time in September to explore and respond to some of the things that we feel God has been speaking to us um, as the church leadership particularly about over the summer. Um, We sense that God has been um, invading, interrupting and challenging our story. And today... Uh, I kind of want to tell you a bit about that. In fact, I want to tell you the story um, of what's happened with us and some of our leaders as we've been praying over the summer. Um, It's really important to look at what God's saying and to respond to that. And so if you are new or you are visiting us today, um, you're you're so welcome. And I trust that you can jump in on this, even though you may not feel that you know our church um, particularly well. If If you're a guest with us today and you're not familiar with this church, it doesn't matter. I still believe that God can speak to you and uh, trust that he will as he has been speaking to us. And I kind of want to tell you the story of how God's been speaking to us and leading us over the past few weeks. So um, in terms of setting this in a, in a Bible context, um, I've called this Holes in the Roof. That's a very dramatic tide, but I just couldn't think of anything else to call it. Um, um, but basically, in terms of setting a Bible context for this, um, there are two verses that as we've been praying... I have had constantly come back to me. And they're kind of, they're different verses. Uh, One of them is this from Deuteronomy. It says that the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And as I've been praying, I've just been dwelling on the fact that he, he will never let me go because his arms are underneath me underneath the everlasting arms. I love that image. And then as I think about that image, I also thought about this image, which is from Psalm 91, which says, he will cover you with, it's like comparing God to like a big bird or something. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. And I love that because kind of how I, I, as I thought about those two verses together, I think, well, this is great, isn't it? Uh, There is nothing that can get me from the top and there is nothing that can get me from underneath. And actually I'm safe with God I am safe with God and this summer has been somewhat challenging for us as leaders and I'll explain that in a minute but I've been really encouraged by these verses because God's above me and underneath me and therefore I'm in a place where I don't need to fear I don't need to I don't need to stress I can live in love and live and love in peace so let me share a bit of this journey with you I'm coming into the summer we had two practical challenges that we've been facing as leaders as you know We've had some significant building work here over the last couple of years, and it has enabled us to radically improve our welcome. Uh, we've got a brilliant front frontage and front door and reception. It's, it's, we've massively improved the flow around the building. The accessibility to our rooms, and particularly for our children and young people, is just wonderful. And to really significantly 
expand our compassion ministry. Um, Storehouse and the associated ministry with Storehouse continue to expand exponentially um, since moving into new facilities. Just two weeks ago, 58 children received school uniform for this year that wouldn't have been able to afford it for themselves. Isn't that wonderful? That's awesome. And so we're incredibly thankful to God for his provision for us in this building, and we're delighted at what we've been able to do in this venue since the building work was completed. And we'll be sharing some more financial details about that later, because straight after our service, we have a trustee presentation. And so we'd love you to stay for that, and just you can find out a little bit more about the, the practical financial details. But with that in the background... As we've been finishing off the building and enjoying the, these new spaces, it has become clearer to us that our original roof, the roof on the front, the flat roof on the front part of our building over there, is actually in serious need of attention. I wrote this sentence, then I did, wondered if I could say it or not, but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm like that. To be honest, it's knackered. <laughs> okay, that's what I wrote. Okay, um, it's well. Our roof is well past its sell-by date. Through the course of the building work, and particularly over the last winter, we realised that though our roof has been patched up so many times, um, over the last few years, the cracking, the extreme weather, the materials are just simply worn out. And so there are now several places where water is coming in. And if you've been upstairs at all, you might have seen them. These, it's a bit hard to, uh, to see in this light, because we also need a new projector, but that's a different story. Um, actually, we have a new projector. It just We got it, and it didn't work, and we're waiting for them to bring it back and sort it out. However... Um, here are some pictures of uh, where the water is coming in. Just, just, you know, how it does. It's impacting on uh, plaster and decor, some of it new plaster and decor. Um, it, it, if we leave it untouched, it will impact on structure. Um, here's some pictures from uh, the survey that we had done uh, on top of the roof. I don't, I, I've, been, I've been up once, and once was enough for me. Um, uh, the, the felt is cracked and there are leaks in the roof and there is moss all over it and it's basically in a bit of a state. Um, and in particular, um, there's one part of the roof which is where the front part of the building joins to the back part of the building. And the join has just forever caused us problems and it's forever been patched up. And uh, you can see we're up there with one of, our, one of the contractors who was looking at it, uh, sort of quoting for that. You can see there just kind of what kind of state it's in. And if you go in the yellow room upstairs uh, where our kids are, um, you'll be able to see that the impact of that is, you can't see this on there, but actually that, that's basically a bit of rag that's kind of there to, um, oh, it's an old sheet actually, that's there to kind of try and bring the water down to one place. And that bucket is sort of a third full of water um, whenever that photo was taken. So we have some serious issues with the roof. Um, I hope you can, I hope that's given you enough of a taster. And so as we looked at this as trustees, we realised that actually as soon as possible and ideally before the next winter, we would need to bite the bullet and replace the whole flat roof. And that's not a small project. Um, obviously it wasn't part of our original building plan and it's going to be a costly exercise. This is the kind of once in every 20 or 30 years kind of project. We've had this building nearly 20 years and certainly this roof goes back a long way before that. So um, early in the year, the trustees did two things. And we, we started to investigate what the proper, uh, proper costs would be and to get some you know, proper comparable quotes. And we also put aside some spare capital that we had from the building project, um, about £30,000 towards replacing the roof. Okay? Um, and we thought, right, we'll, we'll move on with that and we'll try and find out how much it's actually going to cost and what the best thing to do is. So that's one thing that's in the background. The other thing that's going on in the background of all this, while all that's going on separately, 
the trustees have also become aware of some um, financial challenges over the first few months of this year. So the, the background to this is that since the start of 2018, we've been building a brand new finance system to manage our church finances. Our old one was virtually obsolete and uh, it, really, it, really needed, it really needed replacing. And a few of you who've worked with that are giving me knowing nods because you knew. Um, and we've been incredibly grateful to Samuel, our bookkeeper, and Mark, our finance consultant, uh, along with a few other people for the work that they've put in to build a system that really works. And so since the start of this year, 2019, we've been establishing new reporting and new budgeting systems, and we've been able to get a much clearer picture in much more detail uh, of what our finances are doing and compare, for example, our income from... Uh, and our expenditure from a certain time this year to a certain time last year. Now, those of you who are in business will be thinking that's obvious. Why obvious? You know, that's kind of one of those things. But truthfully, we didn't have that ability to do that very well or in as much detail before now. And so leading into the summer, <coughs> as this stuff became clear, we realised that our general giving, our, what we call our unrestricted income, okay, actually, over the first six months of 2019, was significantly lower than the same period in 2018. Okay, that's never happened to us before as a church, not certainly since Joe and I have been here. And actually, it's about 15,000 pounds down. And if we keep on this trajectory without doing anything about it, by the end of 2019, we'll be about, how much? About 30,000 pounds down on our general funds, right? Um, so if we end, that's a big concern because we budget based on what we think we're going to get in. Okay, and we've and had no reason not to do to think that money was coming in because it has done for a number of years. Um, so if we do end the year like that, it puts significant pressure on our budgets because next year we'll have to massively cut back to redress the balance. And it also, as you can see, effectively wipes out the capital that we were putting aside to save for the roof. Okay. Now, I just want to say one thing before I continue. Winchester Vineyard is a really generous church. While our unrestricted giving has decreased, giving to our restricted funds, giving to global mission, giving to our building fund has all gone up. Actually, to the tune of about 15 or 16,000 pounds, fully enough. Um, on top of that, even on top of that, we know that there are many people here who give generously. They give over and above the regular church offering. You know, there are families here who um, sacrifice to support Karis Kids families in Uganda to support global mission partners around the world, such as Larissa and Ned that were here for the last couple of weeks, um, as well as many of us who provide uh, items and goods for the food store, storehouse and for the uh, local food bags, children's shoeboxes at Christmas, hampers, etc., etc. And so we don't know the exact reasons for this deficit. There could be a few. It could be that people are choosing to give more to restricted funds than to general funds out of their generosity, which is wonderful in a way. It could be that some people have left the church uh, or moved on or whatever and, um, other, and they were giving and others have come and they haven't chosen to give or they haven't caught up with giving. It could be that some, of, some people haven't updated their giving recently in line with inflation or job increase, pay increases or whatever. It could be because we didn't run our regular stewardship series that we would normally do in April and May time, looking at financial stewardship in the Bible because we've been working through the other Bible series. I'm not here to dissect the reasons, and you might even wonder why I'm going into this level of practical detail on a Sunday morning talk. I'm certainly not telling you this to make you feel bad. Whatever the reasons, I'm not attaching blame or emotion to this, and I'm not expecting or asking for any specific response at this stage. I want to share this with you because we're a church family, and because this is a significant challenge for us. 
and because as we've pressed into this challenge, we feel like God has spoken to us about some things. And I really would love to share that with you over the, what, what God's been saying to us over the summer as we have met and prayed. You see, July coming around, and it's been a fairly busy year, and if you've got kids, you'll know. You can hopefully take a bit of a breather in the, in the summer, and things kind of chill down a bit. And Joe and I were planning that, you know, a few weeks of just winding down and taking some rest and getting a holiday with the family, and everything's cool and nice and chilled. And then we get this news about the money deficit, and then we get the detailed quote back, quotes back from the roof, and actually the cost of replacing the roof is about £60,000. It's more than we'd anticipated, it's more than we'd saved for, and even though we had saved some of it, we don't seem to have that money anymore. Welcome to your relaxing, chilled summer. Okay? And that presented Joe and I with a choice. And it's actually a choice that all of us have to face from time to time in our lives in different ways. And the choice is, or the question is, how do we respond to challenges or problems or live issues like this without getting stressed in real time? How do we deal with things that will cause us to doubt or even fear our future? And that happens to all of us, doesn't it? We all face challenges in our lives that at the very least unsettle us or upset the status quo, or perhaps at the worst cause us to change our plans or even might affect our finances or our health or our welfare, our physical health, our emotional health. And we were talking money and jobs and accommodation and people and you know I know I know there are at least two or three people I've spoken to in our church family who've lost really close family members quite suddenly over the summer these things have an impact how do we face these how how do we how do we deal with this no matter how big or small the potential problem is all of us still have to make a choice about how we deal with uncertainty and how we cope with things that we can't easily control And it kind of reminds me of our recent talks on the book of Job, which we did before the summer. You know, just sometimes there are no easy answers. And sometimes we have to embrace mystery. And there is a place for lament and being real with God. And there is an invitation to trust God. And many of you fed back to me from those talks how helpful that was. And honestly, I've never faced a challenge like this in my time as a leader. Um, There's a significant gap in the finances and there's some serious holes in the roof. And if I, let my one, if I let my mind wander down the consequences of that, none of them are much fun and some of them are, could be a bit frightening. You know, there's a, I mean, you know, I, so my first natural response is to go, well, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? How can I fix this? Because this is my responsibility, right? Because I'm the leader, right? That's how my mind started to work. A few possible thoughts that I went down, areas that I went down in my thoughts. Well, what can we do about this? Well, we could start to look at ways of seriously slashing our budget. Okay? We may still have to, but we could do that. We could dig into our finance records and see just who's giving and who isn't. We could call everyone in church. I could phone you all up and say, please give more. I could preach some really full-on sermons here about how we need to give. We could plan a huge giving campaign. I might even, I even briefly thought about doing something like this, okay? (laughs) And launching a church roof appeal and getting a big thermometer outside the front of the building. But luckily, I haven't done any of those things. That one's coming next week. No, I'm just, I'm I'm teasing, I'm teasing. We decided that the best thing to do was to pray and to trust God. And personally, just for us to make sure that we were doing 
we were being faithful with our own giving and giving generously and doing the right things. And so the first thing that we did with these challenges was just to calmly bring them to God. Because we are sons and daughters of a heavenly father who has access to all the resources in the world. And there is a peace in that. And so we reminded ourselves of who we are and we decided, we made the decision to live from that peace. And we worshipped God and we decided to worship God and to trust him and to listen and not to panic. Because underneath are the everlasting arms. And over the top, we live in the shadow of his wing. He's never let us down before. Why would he let us go now? And so Joe and I felt that this wasn't just our thing to carry um, alone. So we met with our leaders. We were meeting with them anyway, our leadership community. We meet together from time to time. We share news and stories and updates like we do. And we tell them what's coming up as we do normally. And then we took some time to share these things, these concerns that were on our heart. And one or two other concerns as well. And to pray and to listen together. And there was a real sense of God's presence in that room. And we all called out to him together. This was back in July. And for us, that was lovely because, you know, we know this anyway, but all of a sudden we we also feel like, well, we're not alone in this. This isn't just our things to carry. And because collectively, we all started to look to God and to listen to God. And we've got more ears between us so we can hear more of his voice. And at the end of that evening, we felt like we weren't done. And in fact, we felt like God was inviting us on a journey and had some more things he wanted to say. And so we decided over the summer, despite it being our chilled, do nothing, have a rest time, to take one day each week where we just spent, we fasted a bit and we prayed a bit and we tried to hear God a bit and we invited our leaders to join us and we said, if you can make it, we'll be just gathering for an hour in the evening and we'll pray. We shared encouragements on a WhatsApp group And um, for the people who could make it, which wasn't very many, but a lovely handful, um, we were so grateful for all of you who came and and prayed with us. And in the mix of all that, I feel like God started to speak to us, which I'll share some of in a moment. But just as a kind of aside, but an important aside, is it any surprise that when we make time to be with God, he seems to love to make time to be with us? He's all about relationship. Just like me and my kids, because I'm a dad and I am ready to meet my kids' needs when necessary. It's my duty and my joy. If my kids are genuinely in need and I have the resources to help them, then why wouldn't I step in and help? That's what any good father would do. But on the other side, I am not simply a supplier of goods and services to my children when needed. Okay? I want relationship with them. I want to be close to them and I want them to be close to me. And I'm more interested in the relationships than I am in supplying their needs. I will supply their needs, but I'm more interested in the relationship. And if I'm like that with my kids, then how much more is God like that with us? I mean, he can supply all of our needs, but he's inviting us to be close. You know, if my kids are in trouble or in need, I want to walk with them through those difficult situations. I want to be in relationship with them. I want to take time with them, proper time, quality time. And so I reckon that when a crisis or a challenge comes up for us, God's probably thinking, who am I to say what God's thinking, but this is just my imagination. God might be thinking, you know what, I could sort this easily. I've got the resources to sort this. But I wonder if he's also thinking, but I'm their dad and I have an opportunity to 
be in this with them, to father them through this, not simply just to deliver the goods, but actually to walk through the challenge, to be close and to grow together in relationship. Does this make sense to you? And maybe in that space, as a father, to also gently but firmly challenge them where necessary. Because it's not all plain sailing, is it? When I'm with my kids and I can see that they need to learn something or do something, you know, well, hopefully I don't, I'm not harsh about it, but I do try and help them reflect and challenge where necessary. And that's a little of what we've experienced over the last few weeks when we've gathered together with our leaders. We brought some specific concerns to God, which I'll talk about more in a minute, which were kind of money and relationships. Those were the things that we were concerned about. We had these concerns. We wanted to bring them before the Lord. But every, every time as we gathered, we just sensed that all we really had to do was to worship God and to be with him. And so we just started and spent at least half an hour just doing that. Just enjoying his presence. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I only know, <laughs> you had to enjoy God's presence because I only know old songs anyway when I play the guitar. So, um, you know, we're appropriate. We're where it was appropriate, we then talked to him. And where it was appropriate, we, li- well, we always tried to listen. And we tried to hear what he's going to say. And here's the sense of what I think God was saying. You see, I think God was saying that the holes in the roof are not just physical. They're spiritual. That um, while we have a genuine practical concern for our building and for our community and for our finances, this scenario also speaks of a spiritual concern that God has for us. And that there, while there are leaks in our physical covering, there are also maybe some leaks in our spiritual covering. Now, I'm not trying to get dramatic and I'm not trying to accuse anybody. I'm just trying to reflect what I feel like God is saying. And so at this stage, I'm hearing this word, holes in the roof. And I'm thinking, you know, when God speaks, we're supposed to test it. And one of the really good ways of testing out if I really think this is God is to go to the Bible and say, does this line up with God's word? So being a bit of a Bible geek that I can be sometimes, I just looked up roofs in the Bible. Where, what is the significance of roofs in the Bible? And I found loads of that, actually loads of stuff, but I found three words that I want to just focus on for a minute, Okay. Um, three different words that all get translated as roof in the Bible, okay? And one of them is the word doma. It's a Greek word, and it means a house or a housetop. It's like the roof, the roof of a house. You see, in Bible times, the roof of a house was very much a part of the house. It was kind of like another room. It was ideal on hot summer nights for going to sleep on. And it was very, could be a very public place. It was a place to not just walk, but to meditate and to pray. So there's a story in Acts about Peter and Cornelius, and it starts off by saying that Peter went up to the roof to pray. Okay. There's another verse in Matthew 10 where Jesus says, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. You might have heard that phrase, shout it from the rooftops. It's a public place. So the roof is a, in the Bible is a place of proclamation and prayer. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go up on our roof to pray. You definitely need a risk assessment for that. 
And it's not, pretty, it's, it's not a great thing to do anyway. It's not particularly safe. Um, but I do think this is symbolic of some of the key aims that we have for our building, which is to proclaim the gospel and to spend time getting close to God, worshipping and praying. So that's one of the words that I read about in the Bible. Here's another one. Okay, this one is called hupodecamai. And it means to receive under your roof. To receive someone under one's roof as a guest. If you say, I'm, you're coming to my house, what you really say is, you're coming under my roof. That's the kind of sense that you get from the Bible. It's about hospitality. It's about welcome. It's about entertaining. So in the story of Zacchaeus, it says that Jesus, when Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. That's a translation, but in the original it says, and hupodecamai, he brought him under his roof. Yeah? Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, there's another one in Acts. Did I put that one up? No. Uh, where Jason, who's a guy in Thessalonica, is dragged out by the crowd because he's welcomed Paul and Silas into his house. Same word. There's another one in Luke where Jesus is coming to a village and a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. It's the same word. She welcomed him under her roof. So roofs in the Bible also talk about a place to welcome guests into your space and to show hospitality, which was so much part of their culture and is also so much part of our culture, isn't it? I mean, welcome is a key value for us. That's why we built this thing in the first place. And then there's a third word, which is a little bit more intricate, and it's the word stego. And it means to cover closely so as to keep the water out, which is what a roof does. But it also figuratively means in relationships to endure or to remain or to keep shielded. And the best, the most, well, there's a few examples of this, but the best example or the most well-known is in 1 Corinthians 13, which you may have heard well, it's a really famous passage about love. It's read in wedding ceremonies. And it says, love bears all things. And that's the word. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And so some people translate that verse as love covers all things. It covers a multitude of sins, suggesting that it's about hiding and excusing and concealing. Actually, the sense, I think, is that it bears things. Just in the way that a roof bears all things, it covers the building and it keeps the elements that would be dangerous off. And so in relationships, we cover one another to protect one another from the elements to protect people when they feel battered by life's storms or challenges or circumstances. Do you get me? It's a little bit more involved, that one. But I think there's meaning in there. I think this applies in families. I think it applies in friendships. It certainly applies in marriage, where we prefer one another, where we act on behalf of one another, where we invest our own time and our own resources, our money, our energy and our time in favour of other people to basically cover them so that they can weather the storms, so that we can help to reduce the impact of what's going on with them be it financial or emotional or physical. Does that make sense to you? 
If you have found a friend, for example, who's going through a really tricky time, if you haven't found a friend, if you have a friend who's going through a tricky time, maybe they've got a big change in circumstance, maybe there's stress at work, maybe there's pain, maybe there's family issues, what do you do? You don't just ignore them. You send them an encouraging text or you take them out for coffee or you take round some food for a meal or you offer to babysit for their kids. People who we have spoken to who struggle to just get time in their marriage and we've said, we would love to come and we will babysit your kids and you go and have some time. You know, you do something. We all do this. We do this in friendships. We do it in relationships to bear one another's burdens, yeah? Let me recap. There are holes in the roof, literally, and there are holes in the finances. And over the summer, we've been praying and we felt God said that the holes are not just physical but spiritual too. And we wondered if that was really a word from God. So I went to the Bible and I said, what does, it talk, what does it mean when it's talking about roofs? And to recap, it's making it's talking about a place of proclamation and prayer, a place to welcome guests, and a place of intimacy and relationship where people show love practically by bearing one another's burdens. Now, does that sound like church to you? Because it sounds like church to me, and it sounds like how church is meant to be. And so as we prayed... We said to God, okay, well, if there are holes in the roof physically and there are holes in the roof spiritually, what does that mean? What are you saying to us, God? And we realized that we needed to press in more, that we're not just here to ask God for the money to fix the practical problems, but actually there's something else that he wants to show us that needs attention. And we've been continuing to explore this in our prayers and in conversations over the summer. And three particular elements came out as we pressed into this, which we felt that we needed to respond to. And I just want to share them with you. And honestly, this is still a journey for us. And I don't have, I'm not about to launch into a giving campaign. Not today. Maybe next week, but not today. <laughs> okay? Because we just wanted to reflect where we got to in the story and in the journey. And the first thing that we felt like God wanted to speak to us about was about prayer. It's a bit of a no-brainer, really. It's very clear, it was very clear to us that we needed to pray. And as we started to pray, we were led to certain passages. Joel 2 is one of them, where it says, return to the Lord, come back to God. It actually says a bit later in that passage, call, uh, a, call a holy fast, call a solemn assembly, bring everyone together and come before the Lord. And we sensed that we needed to do that. We sensed there was a great need for watchmen on the walls, which is a kind of biblical image but it's a really important one, and it's one that quite often gets applied to people who you might refer to them as intercessors, people who just love to pray. And I know that some of you are amazing intercessors, that you love to stand in the gap and pray for what's going on. And we've had some amazing intercessors here, and actually some of them have moved on for various reasons. And Joe and I realized straight away that this is an area we haven't paid enough attention to. And the truth is, when we do pray, God does listen and stuff changes. And so to have a healthy church community, we need to have people who are regularly standing in the gap and praying. We know that's true, but we still don't always manage to go there. So maybe if it's an area you're really strong in, that's wonderful. But as leaders, just being honest, I don't think we've led, well, we, I'm not, I don't think, we haven't led into that recently in a way that we could or might have. And so we can, we can all pray, but if intercession is your passion, I'm sorry that we haven't made space for you to express that in the life of this church as much as we could have done. Now, as Joe's already said this morning, there are various prayer gatherings happening this week 
Why don't, we jump, why don't we dive in there and let's make a start? We don't think that this pattern that we've been doing with our leaders is done. We said we'd do the summer. We've done the summer. We've got this reset week this week, and then we're going to start something else, and we don't quite know what. We're going to just find a way of getting a rhythm that works whereby we're regularly having an opportunity to come before God. And so as leaders, as I said, we've been doing that. There are some prayer meetings this week, but that isn't the end of it. But we'd love you to come pray with us if you can. We felt that prayer was one of the holes in the roof that God was inviting us to address. Another one was related to our money and to giving. When you see, when it comes to money, the Bible's teaching is very clear. And we have always said that people who consider themselves as members of this church will give to the church in the way that the Bible teaches. And I want to apologise to you because as your pastor, this is my responsibility to lead us in this. And we just haven't talked about it very much recently. It's our job to help people who are part of our church live according to what the Bible teaches. Not so the church can get loads of money, but because it's the best way to be a disciple of Jesus. And I'm sorry that we've made assumptions that people are giving. And some people, and many of you really are, and you're so generous. But maybe you haven't, and maybe that's because we haven't led you into that, and I'm sorry about that. Perhaps you've been here a short while and you haven't heard us teach on this topic. Maybe you have a different view, or maybe you just haven't got organised, whatever. But our understanding of what the Bible teaches on money, and the Bible has a lot to say about money, is that all the resources that we have are given by God, and that we are stewards of those resources for his purposes. And his invitation to us is to give back to him from the resources that he gives us as part of a disciplined and healthy lifestyle and to show that we want to live our lives in an open-handed, open-hearted, generous way. Now, the Bible doesn't give a clear indication of exactly how much you should give. Some people think that it's um, 10%. And in the Old Testament, they have a system for tithing. But those of you who came to Matt Hyam's excellent lecture on Deuteronomy earlier in the year will have heard him say, actually, we've misunderstood that. It's at least 20% and 30% every third year, if you're taking Deuteronomy really serious. So it's more nuanced than just, oh, yeah, the Bible teaches 10%, that's it. Um, I'm not going to get into that now, maybe later. But it's pretty hard for us to claim chapter and verse. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. But we found that it's a very good starting point. Actually, it's a good guideline. We use that for the basis on the, the basis of our giving. Um, we are trying to use it as a minimum. It's what the church does as well. With our finances, you'll see later, we try and give away at least 10% of it. We, we actually do give away more than 10% of it. Practically, it's a really good idea to do it first, to do it first in the month if you're going to give. Listen, if 10% is too much, just give something, whatever you can give. And my advice is give it regularly and do it at the start of the month, just to be intentional. But even more than what we give and what the amount is, is is the lifestyle of generosity that the Bible teaches us to have. We're not called to hold tightly to our money, we're called to be free with our resources and let it go. Hold them loosely in case others need them. The Bible teaches us to be generous and to give cheerfully and always to remember those who are less well off than ourselves. And obviously that's in direct contrast with the messages that our culture gives us, which are basically grab all that you can, pull it in, hold it tight and hold on to it out of insecurity or fear because who knows you may not have enough. And if you're reading the Bible and trying to follow Jesus, then that kind of culture is rubbish. And the Bible teaches something, but it's very hard to live. It can be very hard to live. God says the opposite. And this verse here, Malachi 3, 
Um, It talks about robbing God. It's fairly dramatic, actually. I'm going to read you the whole passage. There's just a bit of it up there from verse 7. It says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Well, that got my attention immediately because we've already read that other passage about coming back to God and returning to him. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God says to the, to the um, Israelites, in your tithes and your contributions, you're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. There's so much, um, the context of this is so different to how we would address it today. Um, but the key verse is this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse and there be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So there's loads in that context, which I can't go into now, but, but for me, and I think in the New Testament, their understanding of this is that the storehouse means the church. It kind of like a central pot to facilitate making sure that everyone has enough and the community can function well. And the most important thing about this verse is that God says, and it's the only time in the Bible he says this, you can test me. You know, there's a whole thing about Jesus being tempted and Satan saying, do this, do that. And Jesus says, no, you don't put the Lord your God to the test. But in this issue, God says, put me to the test and I will bless you. And we've known that to be true time and time and time and time and time again in our lives. That when we have given what we felt like God was giving, asking us to give, that he has looked after us. Sometimes financially, sometimes in other ways. But always a blessing. And then the third thing that we've been praying about, so that's prayer, was one of the holes in the roof that we felt like God was asking us to address, and money was another one. And the third thing is about relationships and about community. And this is a bit more tricky to talk about because it gets personal, and because it would be very easy to hear judgment in this, and that's not what I'm trying to say at all. But we do place a really high value on marriage in our community, and we do that because God does it. Now, marriage isn't the only option in life. And if you are single, like Jesus was, then we want the church to be a place that helps you thrive in being single and find deep and meaningful community and close, loving relationships. But if you are married, if people are married, then we as a church want to do our best to help them stay married and to thrive in their marriage relationships. And neither of those things, be it single or married, are easy. And we know that. And we've become aware that in some ways, the relationships in our church, in some ways, our relationships as a church community are a little bit fragmented. There are single people here who, through no fault of their own, are just really struggling to feel part of things and feel close to people. And there are married people here whose marriages are on the verge of breaking down. And that's just heartbreaking to us. And if you feel like any of this is about you, we are not judging you, okay? This is not about judgment. Every situation is different and every situation is nuanced. But we have tried to put in various things, put them in place to help and support people in relationships, both single and married. That's been a big part of our priority. And we've just realized that it's not enough. And as we've prayed, we've taken that to God and said, it's not enough. We actually can't do this on our own. God, we need your help with this. We need your supernatural intervention. And actually, as we've started to pray, we've seen some 
signs of God's supernatural invention, which has been wonderful. But we've been praying and we've asking God to lead us, to intervene, and to come and show us how we patch up or how he helps us patch up this hole in our church roof, around our relationships and our network and our community. It's, it's, it's an ongoing kind of journey and we, it's really very much on our heart because strong relationships are essential for a church community like ours to really flourish. We can only bear one another's burdens, bear all things for one another in the way I was describing earlier if we are close and the only real way to get close is to walk with God in that. And so, you know, if we're struggling with any of these things, then the most obvious place to go for help is back to our Father God. So for me, and I'm almost done, the three responses, or you could think of it as three holes in our roof. There may be more, but these are the ones that we've been think, thinking about and praying about. Just to sum up those three, are prayer and giving and relationships. Now, I don't know what specific response God is looking for from us today. I just wanted to take the time to unfold this and just tell you a bit of the story. And my invitation to you, if you're part of our church, actually, if you're not, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, I would encourage you just to take some time and listen to God. And if you get a particular sense as you listen, we'd love you to share that with us. And if you're part of our church particularly, we'd love you just to reflect on this. And just to finish, there's one other well-known story, it's a bit obvious, about roofs in the Bible. And it's the story where Jesus is preaching in this house and this, these guys can't get their crippled friend to him, so they take him up on the roof and they break a hole in the roof and they drop him down. You've probably heard the story um, Luke chapter 5 verse 19 they lower him down in front of Jesus and the word by the way is the first word I mentioned doma it just, just the word for roof and I was reflecting on all this and I was thinking well this story is a bit obvious isn't it why is Jesus okay with them actually making holes in the roof surely we're trying to patch up the holes in the roof not make holes in the roof and just as I reflected on it this week it seems to me that Jesus is okay with allowing a little bit of disruption to get people's attention. Because the outcome of that story was that that guy was radically healed, not just healed and his life turned around, but he was forgiven of his sins and he was saved. And the forces of darkness were challenged and the kingdom of God was demonstrated and all those people were there to see it happen. And I reckon if, um, if God is disrupting us through this, then I would love to think that we might also see some of those kind of outcomes, physical healing, miracles, challenging the kingdom of darkness, salvation, forgiveness, healing, and God's kingdom being demonstrated in the way that Joe was sharing earlier on. So you might want to reflect on disruption and what disruption is going on in your life. You might want to ask God, how are you using this disruption to challenge me and to draw me closer? And you might want to ask yourself, how am I responding? And I would love us to do the same as part of the church family, just to ask God what he wants of us. So why don't we stand together? And why don't we just take a moment to reflect? So there is a lot to think about. So let's just take a moment of quiet and see what it is that the Lord highlights to you. Lord, we're so grateful for your presence with us. We thank you that you are God who speaks. And as your church, we want to be those who listen and obey. And so today we just give you our yes. 
to whatever disruption or whatever change or whatever's needed to cooperate with you and see these holes in our, our church family and in our roof patched up or <laughs> restored, fixed, made new. And the lovely thing about today is that there isn't really a hurry. So if you've got kids, in a moment I suggest you go and release the kids team and thank them for serving alongside kids this morning. But as we've said, we've got our, there'll be tea and coffee available at the back. Um, we've got our trustees report at half past 12. And whilst that's happening, we're cooking the barbecue. And so there's no need to hurry away. Oh, sorry, 20 past is the trustees report. And so why don't we, in this next time, the band are going to be playing quietly. If you would like to respond and have somebody to pray with you about something you feel like God said, we would love to do that. And there's space at the front and we often say there's nothing magic about the front, but it's just a way of identifying that you'd love someone to pray with you. So if you'd like some prayer, why don't you come forward about anything we've talked about today or anything different? And if you're in one of our life groups ready to pray, would you please come forward? Because then you'll be ready to pray for people. And so it's kind of a soft ending. Respond as you can and as you will. Please stay for the trustees report and do stay and have lunch with us. We'd love to, to do that with you. And we'd also really love... Um, to see you at one of our prayer meetings this week on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. Great, so thank you, Joe. Anybody else like to come and pray? Why don't you move now? If you're on one of our life groups, now's your prompt. Please move out of your seats and come and pray. Thank you. And also, if you would like to be prayed for, where people come already coming forward, so why don't you come forward so that we can pray for you? And this is our soft ending, so if you don't want to receive prayer, go and grab a coffee, buy a barbecue ticket, and come back for the trustees meeting in 20 minutes. Thank you.